0: Even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps>
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm Menace, and I have to apologise. There was no show last week because I was struck down by COVID, so I was too sick to jump on recording. You wouldn't want to hear my stuffy voice. So, unfortunately, no Cricket Unfiltered last week. But I'm joined today by Gav Joshi. Good morning, Gav. How are you? Good
2: morning, Menace. I'm just a little bit... uh... Deprived of sleep because um, I watched a fantastic Australian under-19 team claim the World Cup
1: the first time in 14 years. Unbelievable. So another weekend and another World Cup win for Australia. Yes, that's right. Australia won the under-19 World Cup. Australia batted first, making seven for 253, which is the highest score in an under-19 World Cup final. Dixon, Weibgen, Peak all made 40s. Arja Singh was the high score with 55, and then India was skittled for 174. Marley Beardman with the figures taking three for 15. That means Australia have beaten India in three title deciders in the last year. If you look at the Test World Championship final, the 50-over World Cup, and now the Under-19 World Cup. Great victory for the Under-19 team, Gav.
2: Absolutely, because you know, you, if you look at the just the history of the Under Nineteen World Cup over the last few years, it's always been the subcontinent teams which have dominated, uh, the likes of India. I think Bangladesh won that one in twenty twenty. Uh, India again in twenty eighteen. India again. I think it was, oh, I think it was West Indies in twenty sixteen. Actually, so Australia hasn't featured on the winners' list, and when um, the great Mitch Marsh led them um, in twenty. 10, a team which had Josh Hazelwood as well. And just a bit a bit of statistic that, um, you know, about 30% of the players that play in that sort of that under-19 setup and represent their uh, internationals uh, go on to play uh, international cricket at the highest honour. So look out for, you know, at least three or even four out of these boys that they'll probably
1: feature in the Australian Colour somewhere down the line. Yeah, you're right. It was it's a, it all goes well for the future of Australian cricket. I really like Harry Dixon, who opens the batting yep. for the under-19 team, a punchy left-hander. I've Also commented on a couple of the New South Wales representatives on grey cricket. Harjah Singh is a very good player. He top-scored in the final. But what I liked about this performance, Gavin, look, we're not going to spend a lot of time analysing the game, but I liked the maturity that the under-19 side showed – with their batting in that game, um, they kept mm. their heads. They put on that big score of seven for 253, but they did it intelligently. They worked the ball around. They found the boundary when it was there, but they never lost their heads. And, and, and that's a great credit to not just the team, but the coaching staff, Anthony Stewart, the former Australian fast bowler, who's yep. the head coach there, to, to keep them focused. And um, they just didn't lose their heads in such a big moment. So incredible stuff. And I also have to say that, the semi-final that Australia beat Pakistan was one of the, the best games of cricket uh, yes. you'll see. Nine for 164, chasing 181 for a spot in the final. And the last wicket put on a nervy 17 to win it. So a couple of back-to-back yeah. classic big for the Australian team.
2: Yeah, what about that victory against, you know, inside edge, as they call it sometimes. The French cut misses the leg stump by a whisker and the ball goes down to the boundary for four. So... Just happened so quick. A thrilling match as well. Um, what I liked about the, yesterday's game, just quickly, is you know you mentioned. Uh, the victory, of course, in the the World Cup final in Ahmedabad earlier. And similarly, uh, it was a, sort of a tricky pitch because it was overcast, it was humid, the lights were turned on, and Australia decided, no, nope, we're going to come out and bat first. It, 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 everyone was surprised by it, just a little bit like Pat Cummins was in that day. Um, and they played four quicks. Australia's setup has always been sort of three quicks and a spinner. But they sort of threw that idea away. They looked at the pitch going, they looked at India, said, hard track, bounce, let's go four seamers. That, if that means a you know, depleted batting order, probably had a longer tail for the rest of the World Cup and went bang. And it worked. The four paces were outstanding. You mentioned a lot of the players. I really, my favorite player in this tournament has been Charlie um, Anderson. Uh, the, you know, the, the opening bowler. I think he can, you know, swing the ball. I think he plays for Northern Districts. You might have commentated a little bit on him as well. I think he's one to watch for. I think, you know, especially with that... You know, you're probably looking for a 19-year-old right now because he'd probably come up into that Australian setup in, you know, maybe sort of two or three years when the Starks and sort of Hazelwoods and Cummins and even the Bolands has sort of disappeared. You know, there's talk about Xavier Bartlett. Yes, we'll come to that. But he's probably 25. You're probably looking for someone who's around that 19, 20 age and... I think Charlie um, Anderson, I, I think, look out for him. I think he's got enormous
1: potential with the ball. He's a bit like Josh Hazelwood, but can swing it both ways as well. Yes. So, another weekend, another World Cup for Australia. And I tweeted out before, Gav, that Australian cricket is doing really well despite the fact that, we're not, that we don't have bads ball. Like, this is a, this is a, a, a story of an underdog. Um, you know, we, we're just playing regular cricket and we're winning World Test Championships, we're winning Senior World Cups, we're winning Junior World Cups, all with our basketball. It's a miracle.
2: Uh, look, there's something right in the setup, isn't there? Like, uh, you know, there's Cricket Australia and other sort of states telling us participation's rising and it probably is. I'm, I'm not sure if cricket's actually rising. You know, I've been doing a lot of coaching. I work in the, you know, the grassroots of the game as well. Um, it Look, I don't know if that's rising. I, I don't think kids really watch that much cricket. There might, you know, a lot of subcontinent uh, kids are playing a lot of cricket. We know about that. You know, parents, a lot of parents who I speak to say, well, oh, you know, spending a whole day out in the field, it's it's hot. I'm not sure. Maybe, you know, something like tennis or soccer or even you know, baseball is a lot easier because one and a half hours, you're out of there. Um, but, look. Whatever that, that might be, that might be me being sort of a little bit critical, but at the top, it seems like we're producing all the results because if you know, we might just say, oh, Look, we've got the core of the test team, but hey, here come the youngsters. And you know, to beat a team like India, who let's be honest, uh, Menes, uh, I, out of the 11, I don't I have to question mark how many are legitimately sort of 19 years or below. I think you're probably looking at four or five who might be about 20, 21,
1: 22 even. So a um, good on Australia to go ahead and, and, and win. Indeed. All right, let's move on and get into all the cricket headlines brought to you by Piccolo Podcasts. And since our last episode, the Test Squad to New Zealand has been announced. So Australia are heading across the Tasman to play New Zealand in two Test matches, uh, one late February, one early March And there's been no real surprises. Uh, Matthew Matthew Renshaw is the spare batter, as was the case in the last test of the summer. But also, um, I guess with the bowling, uh, Scott Boland is the spare bowler and Michael Nisa has been picked. And uh, George Bailey said that Nisa would have been picked. Lance Morris has a side strain, which made him unavailable, but Bailey said they still wouldn't have taken Morris, that they really like what Nisa offers in conditions in New Zealand that are very similar to English conditions. And Nisa hasn't had a great Sheffield Shield season with the ball, but you put his figures together from the last four or five years, and it's a compelling case. So Boland and Nisa, the spare bowlers, Renshaw, the spare batters, no real surprises there, Gav. (laughs)
2: no not at all and i think they also depending on how long this strain is they probably want uh, Lance Morris to play a little bit of sort of first class cricket as well. Um, I'm sure he's going to be uh, okay if Western Australia doing decently, um, that he might feature, uh, you know, maybe in the, the, the couple of the Shield games at the, the the back end of the year as well. So, but there, yeah, no, no questions about Michael Niso. I mean, forget the numbers and forget, you know, what what kind of bowlers come and stark are. If you're thinking those New Zealand conditions, you're probably. If I just leave the numbers and 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 what they've already done for a straight air side, you're thinking, well, New Zealand seem about, yep. Well, I'll go, yeah. Someone like Pat Cummins has to play Hazelwood, and you probably go, do I play with Stark? I mean, Nice is pretty good, you know. So it really brings them into the mix a little bit more. So uh, I think right choice and New Zealand pictures they can really die out and sort of you know sort of day three and day four. So. I don't know how effective Lance Morris would have been if he, you know, had to be picked or even be in the squad. So I think that made the right choice. I think Australia's, you know, pretty much the 11. I mean, you don't have to be selected to pick them. I thought it's a pretty, you know, I think selectors job picking the test team at the moment for you know, even England or even New Zealand or at home is is pretty easy.
1: Yeah, the, uh, the one surprising thing, I guess, is even though it's just across the Tasman, there is no spare wiki keeper on tour and there is no spare spinner. They're just taking 14 players across. And clearly that's clearly that's a couple of reasons. One, as I said, it's just across the, the Tasman. So if someone does get injured, you can fly over pretty quickly. But also, I guess... It, it allows the players that aren't playing to be playing at home in the Sheffield shield and be match fit but it is a risk i mean if if lion does a hamstring or a, a calf on the morning of a test match what do you do do you do you pick four four quicks do you fly someone over i mean it, it is a slight risk
2: yeah it is I mean no doubt but I guess you know if, if lion does it then you know, uh, I don't know if New Zealand would even play a spinner. Uh, Travis Head's done a lot of bowling, so New Zealand pitches. It's probably where. Well, I, I don't think I will need a backup. I think that's why a lot of debate was, and I think George George Bailey also clarified it, didn't? Why is you know Cameron Bancroft not there even earlier in the summer, and Matty Renshaw And that's because Renchel can, in case something happened to a batter in the morning of the Test match, there was concussion about then. You know, Matt Renshaw can bat at genuinely at number six. He is bad, probably batted two or three shield seasons at number six or in that middle order for Queensland. Um, so I, I think, yeah, pretty much you're, you're spot on. I think the shield season's going on. You know, someone like, uh, uh, whether that's an English or whether that's a, uh, who's the Queensland keeper? I've just gone a bit. Blank. Um, uh, J- Jimmy, Pearson. Jimmy Pearson. Yep, yep. Just someone like Jimmy Pearson. Let 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 them k- keep playing, and um, if if then, and you know, going across is just a three-hour flight, so they can always get somebody uh, hop on a plane. I mean, your good mate Phil Emery had to go all the way to Lahore. Um,
1: I think going to Christchurch <laughs> uh, uh, or Wellington's a lot easier. Indeed. And another announcement was made, and this one does have some real indications of what will happen to Australia's T20 World Cup squad later this year. Australia announced a squad for three T20 games being played in New Zealand before the Test matches. And the real surprise here, gave is Mitch Marsh, has been named the skipper of this squad, indicating that he will probably lead Australia into the T20 World Cup later this year. And, um, you know, tying back to the, what, where we started the show, where he was the under-19 skipper, leading them to victory all the way back in 2010, now he has the chance again to lead Australia into another World Cup.
2: Yeah, and I, I like this as well, um, because, yeah, I, I'm not sure if the Australian... Schedule, But, you know, th- there's a few lead up games as well um, in those T20s uh, into that New Zealand series as well. So, you know, if Pat Cummins wants to have a break, you don't think Pat Cummins is probably going to play all those three games as well with the test series around the corner. He might not play any of them. Um, but if, if that is, the, but I think Pat Cummins, you know, the way he sort of bowled in at that World Cup, especially the back end, you remember Pat Cummins, how well he bowled in that T20 World Cup in, in, in UAE. Uh, I think it was that second last over against Pakistan while Australia's bowling first. Where you can see that I think two runs made a massive difference. And I think Cummins has got that art now. He knows how to bowl. Um, so if he's not playing, you don't want them to have, you know, Mitch Marsh and Pat Cummins sort of sort of alternating. They, they just want to keep one guy, and that's Mitch Marsh, um, I, I like this. I, I think long term. I think you know, Australia's. We're pretty sure going to have different captains. We're already we might get a different one for T Twenty and a one dayer as well. Uh, on the evidence of this, um, a right move. I'm I'm not surprised. Are you surprised with anyone who missed out on the squad or anything like that?
1: Not really. I like the decision to pick Mitch Marsh because I think it gives you more flexibility with picking your final 11s when you get to the World Cup. Maybe you get to very spin-friendly conditions and you think, well, maybe Stark, a couple of spinners, some more rounders are going to do the job. Whereas if you've got Cummins, to skip a skipper, you're – um, you know, you have to pick him. So in the squad, Tim David is in the squad. Nathan Ellis is in the squad. And I really like what Ellis brings to the attack. He's very different to the other fast bowlers, a different trajectory coming from a, a low release point. He he excels in bowling sort of skiddy Yorkers. And I really like what he could do in the West Indies and in the USA. I think those sort of slow, low wickets could really suit him. Uh, I like Matt Short in the squad. Uh, But I guess, you know, one interesting talking point is they've included Josh Inglis and Matthew Wade, you know, Mm. two wicket-keeper batters. And um, it it seems like they're leaning towards Wade being the keeper and the finisher, and maybe Inglis could slot in at the top of the order.
2: Yeah, maybe he's sort of Mr. Flexible. I I mean, Travis Head, you, you know. I don't know where Steve Smith bats does he bat at 3 does he does he hold a spot in that uh, team I'm surprised they've included Marcus Stoinis as well um I thought the you know they've moved on past him in the one day setup this summer I just wonder what's keeping them uh, maybe it's just purely the fact that you know they want to move make a big move sort of after the world cup um and it's a bit of a last hurrah for a lot of these players I think the champions trophy in Pakistan which is I think, 2025, uh, you know, around March or something. So that's still 12 months down the track. That's the big ICC next tournament. So uh, I'm a little bit surprised with with someone like Marcus Stornis. Stornis. Interesting. Yeah, I, I thought maybe somebody else could have got a go. I'm not sure. Uh, what are your thoughts? I, th- I think he's the big one where you can debate about. The rest of them are pretty much locked in, I think.
1: Yeah. Mm. Well, firstly, just I really like Matthew Wade still holding his spot. I mean, you just cannot get rid of this guy. He thought oh. himself when Australia won the 2021 T20 World Cup that that was his career over, but they clearly still want him there. He's still batting very well. He's such he a good pick He got cool picked
2: header. up in the IPL auction, didn't he?
1: Yeah, just a very yeah. good player. Um, but, but on Marcus Stoinis, I guess the way I see it, and, and it's, this sort of highlights the difference between for me, between 50 over cricket and T20 cricket. I think Stoinis offers quite a bit more in the T20 game, Uh, not just because of his experience in some of the biggest leagues in the world, but I think he bowls a lot better in T20 cricket. I don't think he's as effective Mm. in 50 over cricket. Uh, But you're right. I mean, there's no Cam Green here. There's no Aaron Hardy. Uh, You know, there's a few young all-rounders. There's no Sean Abbott. I mean, there's a lot of competition for spots, in this squad, and you're right, is probably just holding on.
2: Yeah, Aaron Hardy's the right pick, but they would probably see Aaron Hardy somewhere up the top of the order. Um, and like I said, I, th- I think, the, you know, all this side's been selected for that World Cup in a few months' time. Um, and, and, and yeah, you, you can't really dispute that. So uh, fair enough. I mean, it's got, if there was to be a debatable one it's Stoinis, but... Apart from that, I think the team just picks itself again. Which, which, if you're picking teams, uh, whether that's Test cricket, one day cricket, and T20 cricket, and you, there's not much of a debate, to be honest, unless you really want to get nitty gritty. It just shows what a good state Australian cricket is. And, you know, in the last 12 months, it proved that in terms of results.
1: Yeah, what jumps out at me is the power that this Australian team has. I don't think we've ever seen a batting lineup or a potential batting lineup with this sort of power. I mean, if you look at Ted Warner, David Inglis, Maxwell, Stoynis, Wade. I mean, that is a powerful batting lineup, and we'll talk a bit later about the the West Indies T Twenty series that's going on. But they're making big scores, and uh, it's it's just a very um, intimidating looking Australian lineup, and a lineup. I don't know, I don't think I've ever seen a, an order with as much power. I didn't even mention Mitch Marsh when I rattled off all the, the powerful hitters. So, you know, look out if you're a spectator at the Australian Games. There's going to be white balls heading towards you in the crowd for sure.
2: Oh, absolutely. I, I think so. I think the small Caribbean grounds, I think this is this, this is dynamite. I mean, you know, the Poms might say they, they might have a more all-rounders kind of team. They've probably got more all-rounders there, maybe. I'm not sure. Uh, but geez this is a power hitting team i mean it's it's brutal if if so but in saying that you know it, it was a very similar team that failed to win Australia World Cup on home soil, just you know what was it maybe fourteen months ago so it, it it can come off you know we couldn't even make it to the semifinals so as, as confident as we are well you know i i'm I'm not sure um if we can mm. guarantee them success just because you know the the power hitting is so strong.
1: Yes, well, they don't have Aaron Finch at the top of the order, so they're already going to be a lot better off. And he said that himself in commentary over the weekend. He said this squad's a lot better without him, and he was fading badly during that T20 World Cup. All right, so that is Australia's T20 squad. squad Mitch Marsh to skipper. it. What a story. Uh, Alan Border medalist, now Australian captain and potentially leading Australia to a World Cup. Right, right, we're going to take our first break, and then we'll be back to talk about The highlight of the cricketing calendar, probably for the whole year, the one day international series, Australia just played versus the West Indies.
0: Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere.
1: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather
0: now at champacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to the Cricket Unfiltered Podcast. I'm Maniz. I'm with Gav. We're going through all the cricket headlines and Gav... While the podcast was off, a terrible one-day international series was played versus the West Indies. Australia won 3-0. They won very convincingly. Uh, But I I do think there were some highlights from the series, and, you know, I want to sort of go through them. So going back to match one, Australia won easily, but Xavier Bartlett, Took four for 17 on debut. He looked uh, uh, every bit an international bowler. I love the way he got the ball to shape away from the right-handers. Exceptional performance.
2: Yeah, very much. Um, I had the privilege of sort of watching a few games in lead up to that under-19 World Cup in 2018. And I remember talking to Ryan Harris and he said, You know, he he reminds me a little bit of myself, like a bit of a hustling, bustling kind of bowler. Just bowls that yard fuller than the the Australian bowler. If if there is a little bit on offer, it makes a batsman come forward. He he can be lethal and, uh, you know, got a really good wrist position. And that coming from Ryan Harris, who, you know, is a little bit under... We don't spoke, speak to, uh, about Ryan Harris as highly um, and, he, and he talked about how good Xavier Butler was the, b- back then. So g- great to see him. I, I think he's got all the credentials. I think he's, you know, probably one day cricket. We've seen him in the uh, T20 format do well for in the BBL as well, but I think one day format, I, I think he, he uh, you know, is probably ideal because there's two sort of new bra balls. Um, You know, you get sort of three or max four overs, they're going to swing and, Early wickets are are so important. Um, So I I think, yeah, he's one for the long term. I think Australia's going to look for him, especially in that 50-over
1: format. He's a good age too because he's 25 and potentially he could be sort of at the peak of his powers in a few years when the the big dogs of Stark Hayes wouldn't come and start to drop out of the teams. Um, Just on that first match, good batting performance from Inglis, 65 off 43 at the top of the order. The the crowd really got to see him at his destructive best, and he's starting to he's starting to show um, the sort of form he showed at domestic level at international cricket more often. He made a blistering t twenty hundred after the World Cup, and now this performance at the top of the order in this fifty over game, he just continues uh, to dazzle at the top of the order. Also, Steve Smith made some runs, and also Cam Green seventy seven not out off one hundred and four, and know really like this innings from Cam Green because I think what he needs is time in the middle at international level just to build his confidence and and give him that little bit of a boost so he can start to really dominate international attacks.
2: Yeah, I think so. Uh, Look, again, they're going to have to figure out what's the best place for someone like a Cam Green. You know, is it three, four? um, I mean, about that one day series. Can, can I ask you, in, ge- in general, I want your opinion. Well, why is Marna Slabishan in that squad? I mean, I, I don't know if we debated about this in our previous show, which was two weeks ago, but why? Why isn't he? He didn't have the greatest summer, so why isn't he playing for Queensland?
1: Well, he just pl- played in Australia's World Cup win. I mean, he's an he, in integral yeah, part it, of the it, East World Cup squad. Is he going to be around in two, two years? I, I just it makes no sense. We've got a New Zealand series coming built. up. He hasn't had
2: a great, you know, a, a test summer. Shield cricket has started. I, I just, you know, give him a breather. Take him t- time away. We know how hard he'll work. I was a bit I, – I thought, you know, like we, we almost took like four or five steps forward and we just took a step back by including him. I, I just – I didn't understand that. But anyway, uh, that's my viewpoint. Well, I'd love to get yours.
1: Well, I- I think Marnus needs a bit of a break mentally. That that's the feeling I'm getting. I spoke about it before we went a couple of weeks ago. I just think he just needs to clear his head. But I mean, I think you can't not pick him in if he wants to. If he's available to play and he doesn't want to rest, you've got to pick him because he just made 55 in Australia's famous World Cup final win. You can't. Just discard him. Is this a player power
2: you're talking about? Where if George Bailey might have tapped him and said, Well, why don't you just have a rest and go play shield cricket? Um, And he's gone,
1: No, I want to play for Australia. I don't think so. I think, no, I don't think it's player power in this case. I just think a lot of these players, I mean, quite rightly, if there's a chance to play for Australia, they want to take it. It's, you know, it's an opportunity to add another. Another game to Australia to your resume. So, yeah, I've got no problems with Marnus Playing against the West, did he even bat? He hardly batted. He did a little bit. I mean, in that yeah. – so moving on to the second game at the SCG, it's a bit of a dodgy pitch, and it was Sean Abbott's game. Sean Abbott scored 69 off 63 deliveries and then took three for 40 with the ball, almost a testimonial game. Wasn't a great pitch at the SCG. Wasn't a great game. Hardly anyone there to watch it, really. Um and you have to say, Gav, that these these games being behind a paywall has just killed them in oh, the Australian public's eyes. Like no one knows they're going on.
2: Absolutely. Like last night, you know, I want even the sort of the T20, but like I don't even know where to watch it. Like, yes, I have Foxtel and KO and so forth, but I'm scrambling around. Surely it's somewhere around tucked tucked in those channels of seven mermaid or, or nine gem or something like that. I mean, nobody's watching it. That That's ridiculous. I, I just, it has to be on free to wear, Like, the one-day cricket, out of all the formats, if you think which one's struggling the most, you probably think in viewership is the ODR cricket. Unless it's a World Cup, nobody's watching it. it it's, it's pointless. We've seen that in terms of the crowds and in terms of viewership. So uh, I agree with you. It's a, it's a really good point that, you know, Australia, I don't think are helping in any way about the, Um, You know, I I don't. I don't think even the commentators um, are at the ground. Some of them were were from the studio, Um, so it's like you know, it's a bit of an
1: add-on. So, um, but but your uh, point around last night is a very good one. We'll get to it. But Maxwell, you know, hit a hundred or fifty balls. Had that been on free-to-air television, you can imagine. You know, a million people are watching. Everyone's on social media. you know, tweeting about it or posting about it but because they're being thrilled by it, whereas because it's a, a Foxtel game or a KO game, it it, it goes by relatively um, quietly and there's not a lot of fanfare about it. And, um, yeah, it, it's a real concern. And then, you know, what I think is the, the biggest concern now, so you've got that deal where Australia's white ball games at home are behind a paywall. Now you've got all the the ICC World Cups on Amazon Prime, you know, yeah. there's a real chance now that the Australian public will lose touch with Australia's white ball international teams. Now, I'd also want to counter by saying Australia is lucky there is a lot of free-to-wear cricket on TV during the summer. You have 40 Big Bash games. You have um, the test matches. But still, I think Australia is going to really uh, – the Australian public's really going to drift away from Australia's international white ball teams.
2: Yeah, and and let's be honest. Like the, the cost of having you know Ko Sports or Foxtel is increasing. I think Ko Sports has gone up by ten dollars a month. Um, and and the other thing is, where's the T Twenty World Cup going to be? I think that's on Amazon again. It I, is on Amazon. Know, yeah, so if if you don't have Amazon, or there's a chance that you know Amazon, I'm not sure what the membership is. It might be fifteen dollars a month, or you know, that's still. Half price compared to Ko. If I understand correctly, I mean, Amazon
1: Prime is not expensive, especially if you have an Amazon Prime account.
2: Yeah, exactly. So then, why would I have if if you know, say, say a World Cup, I want to watch it. Why and I'll have Amazon Prime, but why would I spend forty dollars to you know keep Ko, um, especially if you're a cricket lover? So yeah I I don't know I think I think the authorities have got it wrong here in Cricket Australia I think they're just not doing enough um look you might argue saying hey look at the results there's no I I, the the participant numbers that I mean it's not the right way I think you just get out there and you know we we can these are long-term effects menace you know we're only in 2024 we want to see where the game is at in sort of 2030 you know and if, we might even see short term, you know, I'll go back to, if Maris Labashan fails in those four innings in New Zealand, I'm going to seriously ask, hang on, why was he playing that one day game instead of playing Queensland? I'm just giving you <laughs> an example. It's, 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 it's not mad menace, it's mad math today, but, yeah. um, <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, you know what I'm getting at. We, we don't yeah, want to so- discuss in three years' time going, hey, one day cricket, like, what is it? Nobody knows. And I think you've made a point, like, I didn't watch, I watched the highlights of the Maxwell innings, but I was, I wanted to watch the under 19s more than Glenn so, Maxwell. Like, that's ridiculous. If, if you put it to a, a little kid, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And so just looking at some figures here on Google, uh, it says here that um, Amazon Prime has 4.5 million subscribers in Australia. And that's for, as of June 2023. KO's far below that. I think KO hit over a million think last year so they're they're probably you know um, over a million but they're they're clearly well short of amazon prime so amazon prime is a robust platform and maybe you'll pull in more of an audience but my whole concern is Gav, is that a lot of australian sports fans are pretty casual in the way they view sport they turn on their telly and if the cricket's on they'll watch it but if it's not They'll go on to whether it's footy or another sport, whatever they can find. Um, So only the real cricket fans are going to search out the World Cups on Prime or the the cricket on KO. So you you sort of, um, as you say, we won't know the effects for for many years, but I I guess – As I said, my test case is what happened to England when they went behind a paywall after the 2005 Ashes and all the cricket was behind a paywall and they really suffered from it. As I said, Australia's not quite in that dire situation because we do have free-to-air cricket. But the the World Cups now, with not being on free-to-air, is a huge blow to Australian cricket. I
2: I totally agree. I mean, I thought... The one-day World Cup, yes, it is pretty good timings. I mean, we could, you know, still watch the first half. Just looking at the T20 World Cup schedule, I think a lot of our games are going to be sort of in the morning as well.
1: Um, so, that,
2: that, so, yeah, exactly. But, you know, how do you watch it? So
1: uh, it, I found it pretty easy to watch on Amazon Prime. I, you know, you yeah. and I were both watching the World Cup, so it's no problem. I've got Amazon Prime. This is not a, a question where I think, you know, I think hardcore cricket fans will still be able to get it um, and it's affordable, but I just think it sort of alienates that casual fan base. And, you know, football season will be on when the the T20 World Cup is on. So you can imagine most people just be watching their favourite footy team and, and not searching oh, yeah. out.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, good thing it's, it's during the day. Um, I guess the New Zealand series as well, yeah. Um, you know, pretty much it's sort of that second test is in in line with, you know, the NRL season as well and the AFL, I think. So yeah, interesting to see what the viewership on that's going to be like.
1: All right, so just lastly on this one-day series um, versus the West Indies, I mean, match three of the series was an absolute embarrassment. It is the shortest ever ODI in Australia in terms of Balls bowled. Only 186 balls were bowled out of a possible 600. The West Indies were bowled out for 86 in just 24.1 overs. Bartlett took four for 21. He becomes the first Australian to take four or more wickets in his first two one-day internationals and the sixth player ever to do that. One of those players to do that is Curtly Ambrose. So if Bartlett has anything like the career Ambrose had, he'll do well. And then Australia chased down two for 87 in just 6.5 overs. Yes, that's right, 6.5 overs. It was like a T20 game. Jake Fraser McGurk just hit a lazy 41 off 18 deliveries. Josh English, 35 not out of 16. It was the most one-sided one-day international I've ever seen. And uh, now the West Indies haven't won a one-day international in Australia since 1997. So they were able to win a test match here and and break that hoodoo, but it still continues in the 50-over game and just an embarrassing game all round. I think that was played in Marnica Oval and, I was actually thinking of – at one stage I was thinking of driving down for that game, <laughs> and I'm so glad I didn't because I would have seen like two hours of cricket. probably would have, would have been a there. longer drive than the duration of the match. Exactly. Um, where are you on Jake Fraser McGurk's potential? Um, look, we love to hype our players, and there's
2: nothing wrong with that. I think we – you know, probably I think we put a little bit pressure. That includes us in the media and you know, and all sorts of things and expectations on – uh, you know, like Cam Green, uh, probably hasn't. You know, Cam Green's. How many Test matches has has he played now? I'm just trying to.
1: Over think. twenty, for sure.
2: Yeah, I'm just. Uh, so, and you know, let, let's be honest. Like, you know, it, it, it's his. It's his ball, yes, he scored a, a hundred on a very flat pitch in 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 Ahmedabad last year. And yes, scoring a hundred in India is a big deal. But, um, yeah, similarly, I just don't want to put too much pressure on young Fraser Girk. I think he's got. He does have talent, no doubt about it. Yeah, twenty-four tests now, you know, and batting average of thirty-three. Uh, yeah, I'm not that convinced about you know. I think we put too much pressure. Yeah. Does he have potential? Of course, he does. Um, and and maybe it will kick off against this. So, so you
1: again fast-tracking him. There's a lot of talk. Fast-track McGurk into the Aussie team. Do you think we need to be oh, a little bit more Look, cautious? I don't
2: mind him playing against a team like West Indies. Give him a go, home conditions. I, I Nothing wrong with that. But, you know, this whole, oh, the, the, he's the next superstar of cricket and, you know, he's the next Glenn Maxwell and he's this. I, we get that in all sports. I think we gloat a little bit too much sometimes on our cricketers and it, it puts additional pressure on them. You know, we've we've seen in close eye to let's give a good example, someone like a Jason Sanger. You know, he's not even in the New South Wales team. And you know, we we were talking about after his hundred against you know Jimmy Anderson and Co in that A tour game, and 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 we built it up saying, well, hang on, this guy's like a ten thousand run player, and well, he's not even in the New South Wales setup. So I think we sure. just have to be a little. Careful about all that. I think we just need to lower our expectations and let the kids go. Um, yeah, have a game against the West Indies, but just, you know, keep doing the hard yards in, in sort of, uh, you know, domestic cricket. Um, maybe even get him to play a little bit red ball cricket. Maybe he can start off basketball in Australia, men. What about that? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of Jake Fraser McGurk, but I agree with you that we should be cautious with him. I don't think he's ready for this upcoming T20 World Cup. But after that, after we've finished this cycle, I wouldn't mind seeing him maybe opening the batting for Australia in white ball cricket. I mean, I think he's such an exciting hitter. You you put him out there in the power playing 50 over and, and T20 cricket, and I think he could... Um, you know, really destroy sides. And uh, he is an interesting character. He seems quite wise. He's quite level-headed. You know, he made his first Shield 100 this summer. He made his first Marsh Cup century this summer. So he is a player on the rise, and he has that sort of, I hate to say, but that X factor where he has no fear. He's like Glenn Maxwell. He's happy to play a shot of ball. So I think after this T20 World Cup, we should think about getting him in our white ball setup. And potentially there's a spot for him at test level, but I think that's a, a long way to go.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm with you 100% with that one.
1: All right. Now, that is the one day series. Australia won 3-0 in the most forgettable series of all time. Uh, And let's move on now to the T20 series against the West Indies. And this does have a different flavour to it. And here we see the complexities of West Indies cricket. All of a sudden, you get Andre Russell, Jason Holder, Nicholas Poran back into that West Indies squad, and they look a different side.
2: They do. Uh, Look, I mean, West Indies, you probably think T20 is their, you know, strong suite. But, look... You know, I think they're still. It's not a you slug- sloggathon. I think you, for to win T20s, you still need a quality bowling lineup. I just don't think West Indies quite have that. You know, you look at you look at when they won those uh, T20 championships. You know, like I think Samuel Badree, the leg spinner, he almost I call him the godfather of T20 um, leg spin bowling. He was the first guy who sort of hit that back of the length and hit the top of off stump, opened the bowling in T20s, you know, you, you sort of um, so players like 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 that, you know, I, I think and you still had a Chris Gale, a Marlon Samuels, I know you don't like the person, but Marlon Samuels could still knew how to work the ball around and hit when he could hit, so it's just not I think there's too much of and we heard, I think it was Matty Wade yesterday uh, on Stump Camp say well, dot ball of six, dot ball of six I mean, yes, that is, but if you, if you score for another, you know, 10 dot balls instead of trying to go hung-ho, you probably score those 10 runs. Who knows, West Indies might even win that first T20.
1: That's true. And, um, yeah, it was a huge um, run feast in the 1st two twenties. In all four innings played in the two matches, the teams have got over 200, so it's certainly been entertaining. In that first match played down at uh, Belle Reve Oval, Australia batter first made seven for 213. David Warner returned, made 70 of just 36 deliveries. And then the West Indies were eight for 202 in reply. And David Warner in that match became the first Australian to play 100 matches in all three formats. He joins Ross Taylor and Virat Kohli to achieve that feat. And David Warner loves a 100th match because he was player of the match. As he was player of the match in his hundredth ODI, and he was player of the match in his hundredth Test match, so he certainly loves an occasion. Uh, the only concern out of that match was I think uh, Sean Abbott injured his shoulder, so he had to miss the second T20, and Spencer Johnson came in. And then that that was the second T20 that was played last night as we record this, and Australia belted four for two hundred and forty one. It was their high; it's the highest T20 international score at Adelaide Oval. Glenn Maxwell made his fifth. T20 Century for Australia. He now has the equal most in international cricket with Rohit Sharma. So they both have five international T20 Centuries. Maxi hit his 100 off just 50 balls to the fastest ever T20 international 100 in Australia. And he finished 120 not out of just 55 deliveries. And that score of 241 was always going to be too much for the West Indies. They did make nine for 207. Rothman Powell hitting 63 off 36. But in the end, they were well short of Australia's target. But a phenomenal innings from Maxwell. And the fact that he scored five T20 hundreds, Gav, I just think how many test centuries could he have scored had he been given more of a chance?
2: Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure in sense that I, I don't know about Glenn Maxwell playing test cricket. I, 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 I Look, I, I, he's still, you know, you could argue he he's still Australia's greatest T twenty player. Um, uh, but the thing is, and if the, uh, Glenn Maxwell has always won games, which you know where there's there's no being pressure on him to win the games. Uh, I think mm-hmm. I have more respect for players who, when uh, you know, this is your you need eighty or forty balls, and there's expectation to win people do it you know and i have more like you know the the the, the michael bevans to to, to my cussies and uh, you know in in, in- Monday scenario when Pat Cummins is sometimes delivered, not just with the bat, but ball, right? I think Glenn Maxwell, it's it's almost lost hope. When he can do, hit 80 or 40 balls, but that's only been like one or two wickets in hand, where it's like if he gets out, people are just going to say, well, yep, he got out, you know, because, you know, the game was gone and dusted anyway. And that's when he's pulled off the miracle. So I think some, and I've spoken to coaches in the IPL teammates, and they've always felt and hype that Glenn Maxwell is great when, you know, you you don't put any pressure on him. The minute you say, this is your job to finish the game, Glenn, that's when things have gone pear-shaped. Uh, but you go out there and have fun. And that's probably, we've seen the best of Maxwell and give credit to someone like Mitch Marsh and, and Pat Cummins who have said, and Darren Lehman talked about this in that 2015 World Cup and Michael Clark as well, where they batted him at sort of that six and seven. And they said, you know, just go and have fun. It's, if you fail, who cares? And, and that's when... You know, maybe it's about lowering his expectations as well. Um, so mm. he's a tricky cat. But uh, look, yeah, I. But
1: five know about centuries, me. five centuries at international yeah, T20 is quite phenomenal.
2: It is, it is. But I, I would still have you know, I, in my opinion, I'll still put people who've you know won five games in Australia when you're like, well, this is your job to finish the game, and they've done it rather than all pulling off you know a couple of miracles.
1: Mm, fair enough. Anyway, that is it for the, the T20 series wrap. The third game is being played on Tuesday night at the Perth Stadium. And then the West Indies head home. All right, we're going to take our final break, and then we'll be back to wrap up all the women's cricket news and some interesting news overseas.
0: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: You're listening to the Cricket Unfiltered Podcast. I'm Maniz I'm with Gav. Now to the... Women's Cricket Series, Australia taking on South Africa at the moment. Australia has won both the T20 and One Day International Series 2-1, but that means South Africa got historic wins in both T20 and One Day International Cricket, beating Australia for the first time in both of those formats. In the One Day Series, the first... ODI, South Africa were thumped by eight wickets, but then they won the second match by 84 runs in DLS method. That was at North Sydney Oval. So the, the series was leveled one all, but Australia was able to win the third match by 110 runs on DLS. So Australia is still very dominant, but incredible for South Africa to get historic wins in, in both those formats. Now they go into the test match starting this Thursday. It's a multi-format series. So Australia have eight points, South Africa have four points, and there's four points up for grab in the Test match. So if South Africa could somehow win this Test match, they could level the series and go home with an incredibly strong tour if they were to get um, eight points all with, um, you know, the, the best team in the world. But, yeah, surprising uh, wins for South Africa, Gab, but it just shows how the rest of the cricketing nations are catching this awesome Australian side.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, the Australian side. A little bit into you know transition, maybe someone like a Beth Mooney is she past a peak, maybe in terms of age and so forth, maybe not. Um, you know, Lisa Healy, sort of 30 plus, you know, we still Megan Shute is still doing some of her best work, she's you know 30. We know about Elise Perry, uh, you know, and there are some youngsters, no doubt. I mean, I think Talia McGrath is probably. Australia's number one cricketer, to be honest. Um, and, you know, we saw what Alana King can do, but, you know, she, she's sort of, I won't say back end of the career, but she's probably just... Uh, so I, I think transition phase, you know, there, there are some youngsters coming through, and Australia's got plenty of youngsters, no doubt about that. Um, so, uh, look, but good on South Africa. I think they're catching up. We saw India beat Australia in a Test Series as well. Um so, yeah, look, it's fantastic. For I really like this multi-format system. I wonder if they want to – can you see that happening in the men's game where it's the Ashes and, you know, maybe Ashes is not a great example because you've got five tests, but right now we've got, you know, Australia coming through, uh, you know, West Indies are here for one day as tests and so forth. I don't know. I'd like to have that as well because that allows teams to be – strong across all three formats to be rewarded as well maybe one for the future maybe not now
1: I like the idea especially you you, perfect example of this tour by the West Indies I mean imagine the and and it's probably not a good example because Australia's been very dominant but you know if the Frank Worrell Trophy was a multi-format series encompassing all three formats then you would maintain interest for a lot longer um so so I agree with that um So Australia going to the test match looking for a win and to win the series. Big news, uh, left arm spinner Sophie Molyneux has been recalled to Australia's test squad. This is a fantastic story. She's had numerous injuries including a stress fracture in her foot and then she ruptured her ACL, putting her cricket career in real jeopardy. But she's been able to come back and now regain a spot in the Australian squad. So that's excellent. Um, I wonder how many spinners they'll play at uh, the WACA. But anyway, I just think what a story. I mean, she probably thought her career was all over when she ruptured her ACL, but she's back.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there was talk that she she would be the prime spinner. But, yeah, but great to see her back. You know, ACL injuries, always hard to come back. So good on Sophie Molyneux. I think, you know, I remember covering her first WBBL game <laughs> Um, I think it was 2016, and, you know, everyone's like, who, this? this she's going to be playing for Australia for a long time. And unfortunately, you know, there's been a stiff competition, injuries. I think she had a back problem as well. Um, But great to see her back because she's still relatively young and, you know, she's going to play an important part in this
1: transitional phase. Indeed. An interesting initiative has been announced by Cricket Australia that they are going to play a green versus gold red ball match. This is to give local Australian female players more red ball cricket options. So the national selection panel has named 26 players to take part in this green versus gold match. A lot of Australia's top players will be overseas, whether it's in the Women's Premier League or other places. So this really is an avenue for the the 26 next best Australian players to get some experience playing in red ball cricket, because as you know, Gab, there is no domestic red ball cricket competition for Australian female players. So the only time they really play red ball cricket is when they play a test match, which is very strange when you, you say it. I like this initiative Um, I, I sort of broadly question the future of red ball cricket in the female game. I do believe that white ball cricket is the way forward for female cricket and that test cricket should probably be only limited to these sort of test matches in multi-format series against England, India, South Africa, but maybe New Zealand as well. But I think generally the way forward for women's cricket is T20 cricket and 50 over cricket. So I, I kind of like the fact that they're not starting a whole competition; they're just doing a sort of an annual game that can give players experience.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Uh, look. Yeah, it's interesting because you know there, there is a lot of two-day cricket in the grassroots levels as well. So you know, but it, it, from from what I've heard from in terms of you know junior selection, like from New South Wales cricket, I can talk about. There's a lot of um, you know that players are picked who who, who not for a long time, who actually hit the ball a long way, so uh, mm. yeah, it's, it's it's a little bit you know, so what are they actually after? You know, you're, you're trying to promote the Red Bull game, but down in grassroots, you want players who can hit the ball long. And girls who are scoring higher amount of runs are actually not getting picked because you know they they graphed their time, they they they
1: scored 100 or you exactly. know, exactly, there's no room in the women's game enough. for specialist test players, that's the issue,
2: yeah, yes, uh, interesting that.
1: All right, so moving on now, some other cricket news and and uh, get your USA flags on, book your tickets because Major League Cricket is taking off. Ricky Ponting has been named as the Washington Freedoms head coach ahead of the next Major League Cricket season and that means that the competition is really on the up. Money talks clearly, they made punter an offer he couldn't refuse. And with Ricky Ponting going there, you can imagine how many other people will want to follow to major league cricket. So, um, yeah, huge news out of uh, America. Um, and yeah, I think the major league cricket we're really going to see it grow over the next few years.
2: Yeah, uh, look, America, and we will see uh, the effects of that, you know, after the. Twenty World Cup over there. Let's see how the grounds are like. I mean, a lot of expats, not just subcontinent, but a lot of the West Indian people are there as well. Um, so that, that's going to be interesting. Uh, good Ricky Ponting, I, I don't know what the contract is worth, uh,
1: Menace, but look, I'm sure he, he will play a key role um, well, it's a short competition. That's the thing. It's it's a, probably done in a month. You're in and yeah, out. it's three and a half weeks, off. I think, yeah. You're in and out in a month. You can get paid whatever he gets paid, and that's perfect, and that's why I think it'll attract a lot of players from around the world. Ricky Ponting said when he was um, speaking about this that he thinks maybe they'll need to put a cap on how many T20 franchise competitions players can appear in over the but, year. But Who's they? Well, that's what I – I just think this is impossible. How can yeah. you enforce that? This is like fucking pie in the sky thinking because, A, how can you tell someone not to work? Like if you're a cricketer and you get offered oh, a contract to on. play somewhere, you can't say, oh, no, sorry, you can't work. So Well, say, that's like telling
2: Ricky Ponting you can't coach in the BBL. You can only pick out of the BBL and the IPL, right? Exactly. You, 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 you can't coach somewhere. So, yeah, I think he's a little bit being hypocritical here in terms of players, but here he is. He's getting a job around. I mean uh, – yeah and and look we already know the problem i mean you just look at some of the t- t- coaches i mean who's the most high profile uh coach um uh, uh, coaching a test team probably say brendan mccullen i mean uh yeah rahul Dravid in india but uh, you know you're india you're always going to pick some high profile guy to be honest um but you know, you, you look at Australia, Andrew McDonald. You look at New Zealand, Gary Stead. You look at uh, South Africa—I uh, forget the person's name now. You know, you look at the, the, the West Indies. Um, uh, look, it, you're not going to get a high-profile coach anymore.
1: Yeah, exactly. you know, and They're that's because it's getting, it, it getting paid yeah, a lot of money. Absolutely. And this I is mean, what and I'm telling you: Andrew McDonald, um, Shukri Conrad, I think is the um, That's South right, right. Yep. coach. Never heard of him. Um, I honestly haven't, and, like, I'd, I'd never heard that name before, and I'm a cricket nuffy. Um, but, you, you, and that's what Andrew McDonald's going to do. He's going to coach Australia for four or five years, and then he will get paid a fortune to coach in different franchise leagues around the world. And it, it's not about telling players you can't play in a certain competition. It'll be about probably having international windows where um, players have to play international cricket.
2: Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, right. I, 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 that's a bit of bollocks there.
1: Next uh, point, so Shemar Joseph, who we saw bowl the West Indies to victory at the Gabba a couple of weeks ago, has been signed by Justin Langer's Lucknow Super Giants. He's replacing Mark Wood, who's pulled out of the IPL with an injury. So Shemar Joseph to the Lucknow Super Giants. I think we could all see that one happening and – um yeah i think he will do very well big news out of the india v england test series virat kohli is going to miss this whole test series due to personal personal reasons um what are your thoughts about this gav
2: oh, spot on i think kohli's you know this personal i think uh, you know th- th- there's rumors and the speculations i think he's you know he they're expecting another child and he wants to be uh, but around that that's that's the rumors there's no confirmation of that and you know Kohli has been completely out of the picture which which is incredible given you know nobody has spotted him I mean how could you not spot Virat Kohli even if he's at a hospital or somewhere somebody's in India is bound to take a photo of him but um I agree with that I mean if he doesn't want to be there and good on him and I think we've seen a change you know Virat Kohli to that Sort of brash kid who came out to Australia from 2014, and you look at him in that. Yeah, he was only heaps for that one Test match in 2021, but um, and you look at even earlier when that series was played. You didn't see the same Brad Collie, you know, having a confrontation and argument. And I think as a player, sort of, you know, you could say mature or, or whatever, you know, you find peace almost somewhere else, and you uh, still got that competitive edge. Don't get me wrong, but I think you know, that, that you sort of realise. Cricket is almost not everything, um, as you sort of you know go on. We've seen you know maybe even likes of David Warner a little bit different now. So you know while in your sort of early twenties, mid twenties, even your late twenties, you are just that that competitive edge, the sledging, that the the, you know, the brashness, the uh, it, it drives you. So I'm I'm not surprised. I, I think it's a it's it's a completely right decision. If he doesn't feel like his his mind is there, he he shouldn't have to play, and and he's decided on that.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a snub for the English, though, that he's missing the whole series. But, um, yeah, I, I think the series is poorer without him, that's for sure. Um, I think it's you been... Just you just good. don't know what's I, going on behind the
2: scenes. I think it's been a better series than the Australia-India one, which was played, mm-hmm. you know, earlier. And I think it's been better because the pitches have been really good, you know, but we've got four or even five-day test matches. It's not spinning. I just thought that that series against... Uh, Australia. which was ridiculous. It's, I think it's I'm not even going to remember that series you know because and really? you compare that to 2017 Australia in this series yeah we got one ranked Turner but then we got you know a couple of good pitch, three good pitches after that so uh, yeah I think that's got a lot. So I actually haven't missed Coley. I think the, the cricket has been um, yeah, it's been riveting because the quality of the pitches and, uh, and I'm not going to say England's approach but
1: uh, yes, uh, but that has a little bit to do with it as well. So it's one all in that Test series. And I am so thankful that India were able to level the series. <clears throat> I could not have stomached England go 2 0 up in the series. How do you think the series is going to go? There's three Tests left to play. Do you think this is going to be a case now where India just comes over the top of England? The fact mm-hmm. that they've got that win and they sort of streak away now to a three or no. four one series victory. Or do you think England uh-huh. can stay with them?
2: I, I I think this series will be three two. Um, that could three be two. just. Uh, oh, it's difficult to say. Difficult to say. I can see <laughs> England winning the series. I genuinely no, think England. That. I genuinely think England can win the series. I don't think. Look, more chances of India being winning three two. Uh, let's not get it wrong. Um, uh, but you know, like uh, I, I I think I think it will be. I, if 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 you then make a decision now, say 3-2 India. I think England is still going to win one more test.
1: Okay. Well, I'm hoping it's 4-1 India from here on in. I'm hoping it's a it's a Indian ca- – I hope India just dominates for the rest of the series. Well, that is all the cricket news, Gav. Let's wrap it up with can't let it go. That little bit of cricket news you just can't let go of. I've got two, so I'm going to go first. The first, first. one is – in the second one-day international played at the SCG, there was a ball hit um, by an Australian batter into the member stand, and there was a young gentleman um, just at the bottom of the member stand trying to take a catch, and he had his hands up, and the ball went straight through his fingers, smacked him on the face, blood everywhere. It was caught on camera. He was laughing about it. I don't think he was seriously injured, but it was it was very very funny. The poor bloke copping an absolute howler on the nose. And, uh, yeah, so that was at the front of the member stand. And if you want to see the video, it's on my social media pages, so head to it. Um, But he'll have to work on his catching technique. Um, And the guy looks remarkably like Marcus Stoinis, but can't quite catch as well. Um, And my second can't let it go is the New South Wales Sheffield Shield side won a Sheffield Shield match in Perth for the first time in 12 years. So congratulations to them. I was talking to Chris Green during the Big Bash final and he was saying that if if the Blues could start well in Perth after the break, he felt they could go all the way. Well, they've started well, so maybe they can. Yes, and we can
2: be on commentary uh, coming up in three or four days, you and I. At the SCG for that next game, I think it's against Victoria. So That's looking fine. forward to that. My, so my can't let it go. I think I've already said it. Minus Labashain playing one-day cricket. No, <laughs> no, no. Enough. Go to Queensland. I, I feel sorry for Queensland cricket. You know, they, they've they been powered. I think they've finished. Are, are they last on the shield? They've rested Usman Khawaja. I mean, come on, guys. You want to win the shield. You know, so... Now you're not letting Marnus play in that team, the player power, as you're calling it. No, 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 Marnus Labuschagne. I want him to play 150 Test matches for Australia. Get him out of the one-day setup. We need a long-term Australian. You know he's he's 29 and 30. I want him to play till 36 and 37. Shield cricket, red ball cricket. That's the only thing he should be playing.
1: Oh, I don't know what else he can more he can do to please you. He helped us win a World Cup final. I don't know. Um, anyway, I like it. Manus out of the ODI side. That's, Gav's can't let it go. Gav, um, thanks for dropping by. Great to catch up. I guess I'll see you with the SCG this weekend for um, New South Wales v Victoria. We'll do. Look forward to the call and thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, thanks for tuning in to Cricket Unfiltered. Don't forget, subscribe to the show if you haven't already done so. Rate and review on your favourite podcast app. And we'll be back soon with another episode
0: this is a piccolo podcast production
1: sports social
0: podcast network